You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. The sin that plunged this entire world into darkness and has affected everyone who has ever lived, is living, and will live on into the future, the fall of man. As the serpent came to Eve in the garden and she took of the forbidden fruit and did eat and gave it to her husband and he did eat, they then tried to hide themselves from the presence of God. But God meets up with them and asks them, what have you done? And this is the response of Adam and Eve, verse 12 of chapter 3. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The blame game. We've all played it. However, some of you play it quite often. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, I pray that you will take this message and that you would burn it deeply into our hearts, that we would accept full responsibility for our sin. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me ask you a question before we get started here this morning, and that is, do you take full responsibility for your actions? Or do you usually blame others? Do you see yourself as Adam saw himself? It's really not my fault. I'm just a victim in this whole thing. It's, it's your fault, God, because you gave me this woman. And it's her fault because she gave me of the forbidden fruit and God turns to Eve and she said, it's not my fault, it's the serpent's fault. I was just an innocent victim in this whole thing too. I think many times, instead of taking responsibility for our actions, we have a tendency to blame others. We actually have a word for it now, it's called victimology. We see ourselves as a victim. I looked up the definition of victimology, and this is what it says in the dictionary, to glorify and indulge in the state of being a victim. Let me read that again. To glorify or to indulge in the state of being a victim. This is a mentality that we seem to have Today in our culture where no one wants to take the blame and no one wants to be responsible for anything. It's always someone else's fault. It's not my fault. 
Victimology, I believe, is, is this mentality of viewing yourself and viewing life in a very wrong perspective. It's continually blaming others for what goes wrong in your life and the result of that is a damaging effect that that has on relationships. For those who fall into that trap of, you know, I'm just the victim and you make excuses as to why life is the way that it is, I want to tell you something, you're really the loser here. Are you with me? You're the loser. The blame game has been played all the way back from the very beginning and as I said earlier, we play it as well. Individuals who play this blame game, who play this victim role, really are individuals, listen to me here, who thrive on getting attention and acceptance. And so they play the blame game and everyone else is at fault and it's, it's never their fault and you know, I stopped to think about the Apostle Paul. Did a lot of bad things happen in the Apostle Paul's life? Oh, my goodness. Let me just read to you some of the things that went on in his life. And then let me ask you the question. Did he ever see himself as a victim or did he ever blame others for all the bad things that were happening to him? Never. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not in distress. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our bodies. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perisheth, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, really? which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more and exceeding an eternal weight in glory. While we look not upon the things which are seen, all the things that he was suffering and had been through, but on the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, fasting often, in cold and in nakedness. And yet he never blamed anyone else. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Think of all those things that he went through, and yet he never played the blame game. He never saw himself as a victim. Listen to me. This is how he saw it. But I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things, are you still with me? That the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel. Amazing. What an attitude. I think most of us would have been playing the blame game. But no, Paul saw that the hand of God was all over this whole thing and that God had an overriding purpose in it and that was the furtherance of the gospel. People with this victim mentality have this mindset of you know, always pointing fingers at someone else. When they are confronted over perhaps a sin or a failure in their life, it's not my fault and they point the finger at someone else you know the church at Rome had that problem and listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 2 therefore thou art inexcusable quit pointing the finger at someone else he said thou art inexcusable O man whosoever thou art that judgest for wherein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgest dost the same thing but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that, that judgest them which do the same thing and does the same thing, that thou should escape the judgment of God? They were pointing fingers at someone else, but didn't realize there was three pointing right back at them. Now, I want you to understand something. This is something that I have experienced often in my ministry because one of the things that I have to do is point out sin in people's lives. And the reason that I have to do that is because God tells me to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. I do that in my preaching, I do that in my teaching, and I do that in my personal counseling. And this is what I find a lot of times. When I point out sin issues in people's lives, they fire back at me by saying this, don't judge me. You know, it's really difficult to deal with sin in a person's life when they fire back that, stop judging me. I'm so sick of people judging me. Now, why do they fire back that? It's an attempt to play the victim role. Don't judge me. So they set themselves up as being a victim, and in reality, they are judging me for the very same thing that they say that I'm judging them for. Are you all with me? Did you follow where I was going with that? Someone who continually tries to lay the blame on someone else for their sin, and when confronted by it, says, stop judging me, I'm here to tell you, listen to me, they have a deep-seated flaw in their character. A deep-seated flaw in their character. I'm sure we have all heard people 
blame others and even God for the bad things that have happened in their lives. And so I want to talk to you about a few of the people that I have come in contact with over the years. The, I call them the perpetual victims. They are people who are always victims. And I'm telling you what, it is so difficult to deal with people like that and to help them. They can never seem to let go of all the past hurts and offenses that they've experienced. Bitterness has so rooted itself deep down in their lives that it, it just feeds that victim mentality that they have. They're always blaming others for their inability to move forward in life. When bad things happen, it's always someone else's fault. They even blame others for very obvious faults and sins that they have in their life that everyone else can see, but they will not admit it personally. For them to confess and repent and clear their conscience seems almost impossible for them to do. Why? Because they always see themselves as the victim, and they will not take any personal responsibility for their own actions or the things that have happened. The Bible says that he that covereth his sin will not what? Will not prosper. I want to read this quote. It's kind of pointed, kind of in your face, but here it goes. The arrogant and egotistical individual will always play the blame game. This is usually an everyday activity for this character, walking around with an inflated ego and placing the responsibility for their actions on everyone else. In doing so, this arrogant person is able to retain their elevated status and self-proclaim superior human being. It's easy to recognize an arrogant person. They tend to flaunt, listen, they tend to flaunt their abilities, boast of their accomplishments, and blame others for their faults and sins and mistakes, making little attempt to improve themselves. And then he quotes from Isaiah. Hear ye deaf, and look ye blind, that ye may see. Who is as deaf and blind as he that is perfect in his own sight? Who is as deaf, who is as blind as he that is perfect in his own sight? Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. The perpetual victim. I hope that that does not identify any of you that are here today. I've also come in contact with those that I would call the prideful victim. Not just those that perpetually see themselves as a victim and blame others, but the prideful victim. This is a person who really, really thrives on the attention and the acceptance of others. They have a very low self-worth, and so they do anything and everything they can do to bolster that low self-esteem that they have. 
all because of their pride. They never do anything wrong. They're always boasting. The blame game is what they play. And you know what? They play it really, really well. They are, they are almost so convincing in this playing of the blame game that you believe them. And some people who really don't know them very well will believe them and will support them. One man's confession goes like this. I must admit, I have been guilty of playing the blame game. As my self-worth dropped, I found myself looking for reasons to pull others down with me by playing the victim and blaming others for my own personal failures. I felt that doing this would elevate how I felt about myself. Unfortunately, this didn't work and ultimately led to worse feelings after the blame game ended and I had lost most of my friends and family. The prideful victim. See what I'm saying? When we see ourselves in that victim mentality and we just blame others, it just it so damages relationships. These kind of people, the Bible says, are very unhealthy to hang around. The Bible says they are proud. They know nothing. Doting about questions and strifes and words which cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt mind, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. And then it says this, from such withdraw thyself. They are unhealthy to hang around. So I have definitely, in my ministry over the years, come in contact with the perpetual victim, and then the prideful victim. And here's another one that I've come in contact with, and that is the persistent liar victim. The persistent liar victim. They lie about everything. Even small things that they are confronted with, which they really don't need to lie about, just admit they, they just lie. They use the blame game, playing the victim role. They lie about everything. They are persistent in their lying. They shift the blame. Again, they're so good at it that you almost believe them. Sometimes you ask yourself, are they telling me the truth? They're just so good at lying. And again, if you don't really know the person... Sometimes you would support them and believe them and have sympathy on them. But they're just persistent liars. So they're perpetual victims, they're prideful victims, they're persistent victims. And then I'll give you another one that I've come across, and that's the power and control victim. Power and control. They are... People who just want to be in control. Why can't they ever admit that they're wrong? Because if they admit they're wrong, what have they lost? They've lost their control. And so again, it's always someone else's fault, and they play the blame game very effectively. 
Now, what happens to, I want you to think of this with me, because this is, this is my experience that I'm sharing. What happens when you come in contact with these kind of people who are always playing the victim role, they're just full of pride, they lie about everything, they won't admit their faults, they won't admit their failures, they certainly won't admit their own personal sins. It's almost impossible to bring them to a place of repentance over their sin. But yet when you keep putting the pressure on them, when you keep confronting them, what do you think they do? Anybody? They run. They run. Because they will not accept responsibility for what they have done, they will do everything they can do to avoid the confrontation, and they'll just take off, and they'll just run. Let me give you an example. What did Adam and Eve do when they were confronted? What did they do? They what? They ran and did what? They ran and hid. Why? Because they're so prideful they would not admit that they were wrong. Even when God backed them into a corner, they still would not admit. They ran. Listen to what Job said in Job 31 and verse 33. He said, if I covered my transgression as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom. Let me give you another. How about Aaron? When Moses and Joshua came down off of the mountain, he had the Ten Commandments in his hand. He turns to Joshua and says, a noise of war do I hear in the camp? What in the world is going on down there in the camp? When they got close enough to the camp that they could see what was going on, what did they see? Did you remember? What did they see? The people were dancing and drinking and naked and worshiping what? A golden calf. Now who did Moses leave in charge? He left Aaron in charge. So when Moses comes down, who does he go to? He goes directly to Aaron. And he says, Aaron, what in the world have you done you have allowed these people to be naked to their shame and to worship this golden calf? And can you believe the response of Aaron? Uh, tries to run away from the blame. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm just tell you something, Moses. The people, they're the ones that wanted this golden calf. They brought me their gold. And I took it and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? 
And Aaron said, let not the anger. Moses is ticked off. Sometimes there is such a thing as righteous anger. And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said, make us gods which shall go before us. For as of this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, listen, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Did Moses let Aaron run away from his accountability? No, he did not. Let me give you another story in the Bible. How about Saul when Samuel told him that God had given him a message that he was to utterly destroy the Amalekites? How many of you remember that story? <clears throat> about half of you. He was to destroy everything. He was to destroy Agag the king. He was to wipe them out completely. He was to destroy all the sheep, all the cattle. Anything that pertained to the Amalekites was to be absolutely destroyed. So Samuel comes after the battle. Samuel comes and Saul comes up to him and he says, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And Samuel said, then... What is the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? And what is the lowing of the oxen? Did anybody remember? What did Saul do? Tried to run away from accountability. Once again, he blamed who? He blamed the people. He said, well, the people, they, they, they kind of kept the best because their intent was to offer it unto the Lord. What about Agag? Is he still, well, yeah, in the, yeah, I did keep the king alive too. But I obeyed the voice of the Lord. And Samuel said, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God has removed you this day as king of Israel. Yeah, what happens when you have to deal with someone who is just a prideful, lying, won't take responsibility, always seeing themselves as a victim person and you're trying to hold their feet to the fire? Well, like Adam, like Eve, like, like Aaron, like Saul... They'll try to run away from that accountability. Blame shifting. We've all done it, haven't we? Sometimes we are so desperate to justify ourselves and to excuse ourselves and to blame others that we almost become experts at it. Let me give you some examples. How many of you here have ever gotten angry? So here you have a problem with anger and someone confronts you about it 
and you say something like this, well, I wouldn't lose my anger if it wasn't for my coworkers. If they would just be easier to get along with, I wouldn't lose my anger if my kids would just behave themselves. I wouldn't lose my anger if my wife or my husband was more considerate. Do you get what I'm saying here? How many of you are impatient? I would be more patient if it wasn't for those traffic jams. I would be more patient if it wasn't for those long lines in the grocery store. I'd be more patient if I didn't have so many things that I had to do every day. I would be more patient if the people around me weren't so slow. How many of you here have ever lusted? I would have a more pure mind if there weren't so many sensual images and temptations in the culture in which we live. Do you see how we just have a tendency to see ourselves as a victim and not take responsibility? How many of you here ever get anxious about things? Come on. Well, I wouldn't worry so much about the future if I just had a little bit more security. If I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little bit better health, I wouldn't be so anxious. How many of you here have ever had a time where you just feel apathetic spiritually? Well, my spiritual life would be so much more vibrant if the people of the church were more encouraging and helpful. If those Sunday school teachers were just a little bit more practical. If the music service was just a little bit more lively. If the preacher could just preach better. How many of you here have ever struggled with rebellion? Well, I wouldn't struggle so much with rebellion toward my parents or toward my teachers or toward my bosses or towards my pastor or towards my husband if they were more godly in their leadership. How many of you here have ever had a critical spirit? If people around me were not so dumb, (laughs) ignorant, and inexperienced, I wouldn't be so critical of them. How many of you here have ever been bitter? If you only knew what that person did to me, you would understand why I'm so bitter. How could I forgive him? How could I forgive her for what they did? Fill in the blank. How many of you here are overweight? How many here have gone on a diet in this new year? 
two of you. I wouldn't be so overweight if my wife wasn't such a good cook. How many of you hear gossip occasionally? Come on! Well, it's not my fault. I just get caught up because everyone around me is gossiping. I can't help but avoid hearing what they're saying. And then if they ask me a question, I I can't lie. How many of you here have ever had a little bit of self-pity? Well, I'd be a whole lot happier if my marriage was better, if my family was better, if my job was better, if my ministry was better. It's just so difficult. How many of you here struggle with being a little bit selfish. Come on. Well, I I would be a whole lot more generous if I had more money. Church family, are you getting the point? Come on, are you getting the point? I think we're all guilty of victimology. seeing ourselves as a victim of our circumstance and not taking responsibility. I want to just give you a couple words as I close here. There are two tough words. You know what the words are? Own it. Own it. Take responsibility for it. Don't blame someone else. Don't try to manipulate others to get what you want by playing the victim. I'll tell you one thing. At the judgment seat of Christ, you're not going to be playing the blame game. And by the way, you're not going to be able to run and hide either. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done whether it be good or bad. Full account. But why dost thou judge thy brother or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ For it is written, as I liveth, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. I really believe that this is true, that we seldom think as the days go by about the judgment seat of Christ. How many of you here are born-again Christians? Can I see your hand? Someday we will bow. And we will give an account. 
We're not going to be allowed by God to play the victim role. We cannot blame others, but we will take full responsibility for the things that we have done. Do we all make mistakes? Do we all have our faults? Do we all sin? So instead of spending so much time looking for a way to blame others, why don't we just take responsibility for it? James 5.16 says this, Confess your faults, what church? One to another. Don't blame one another. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, let's just stop. Let's just stop being a perpetual victim and seeing ourselves in that way. It's damaging. Stop being a prideful victim. Stop being a lying victim. And let's come to the Lord. let's truly confess and repent and not try to run away from our accountability to him. And it could even be that you're going to have to apply James 5.16 confess one to another. Let's have every head bowed in You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.